0: Name with me the first three kings of Judah. Rehoboam, Abijah, and Asa. Say it again. Rehoboam, Abijah, and Asa. All right. Now, you'll look here, and you can see that Asa has a relatively long reign. Compared to um, many others. In fact, he reigned longer than David or Solomon, who had very long reigns. He reigned 41 years, and a lot of things happened. In his reign, If you just look up higher on this timeline, you can see that a lot of things are happening. In 1 Kings, it tells us that it was in the 20th year of Jeroboam that Asa became king. So you see the yellow line there? Asa became king, while Jeroboam, right here, Jeroboam, come on up here. Jeroboam was still king in Israel. So here we've got Jeroboam king of Israel. And now we have Asa coming to the throne in Judah in his 20th year. This guy reigns 41 years, a long time. Meanwhile, over here, Jeroboam, you can see he doesn't last long once this, this happens down in Judah. He, he only reigned, I, I believe it was um, um, 22 years um, up in the north. And he died. Sorry. You die. You're done. And his son became king. Charlie, you want to be a son? Charlie, come on up. You can be a son. No speaking parts. Come on, come on, come on, come on. Because guess what? All you're going to do is get to put on the royal garments and the crown. And I'm going to tell everybody, here he is. Now, was he a good king or a bad king? Mm. I'll give you a little hint. Whenever I ask about a northern king, if he was a good king or a bad king, you can always know the answer. They were all bad. Sorry. Is that why you didn't want to play it? Yes, they were all bad kings. Up in the north. And Nadab didn't live very long until his general, Baasha. Who wants to be, be Baasha? Jared, you want to be Baasha? I, I, you're Baasha. You're the general. You know what you do? You come along and you assassinate your king. And now, guess who's king? I didn't tell you you were going to die, did I? Now we've got Baasha as king. Thank you. You can go back. You don't have to stay dead. So now we've got Baasha as king. A new dynasty. A whole new dynasty. Jeroboam's dynasty was of the dynasty was of the family of Ephraim. This guy here is of the family of Issachar. So now we have a new king, Baasha. And that's where we're at here in this line. Now, we're not going to act all the others out, but Baasha lives actually a, a reasonable time. And then he dies, and his son becomes king. And if you're looking at the timeline, his son is just barely up there. His son didn't live very long until his general Assassinated him. His name was Zimri. And Zimri had an incredibly long reign of seven days. A very long reign of seven days. And at the end of those seven days, he actually burned down the royal palace of Tirzah on top of himself. Because another guy named Timnai and Omri. We're fighting for the kingdom. So at this point, when your son dies or is assassinated, the kingdom is thrown into turmoil with Omri winning out. Omri becoming the main king of Israel, beginning the Omri dynasty. Now, we don't often think of Omri. Omri doesn't seem to be a famous king. In fact, we know very, 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 very little about Omri. The record gives us very little. But what's actually fascinating is, is that if you go to Chicago, you will find a replica of an artifact that they have found in the Middle East that actually cites Omri as a king of Israel who was is extremely powerful. And this is a record coming from the Assyrian, Syrian kingdoms to the north. And so Omri's dynasty comes, and even before Asa's dead, in the northern kingdom, we have the infamous, or should I say notorious, or famous king Ahab. You all know him, right? King Ahab. Well, all these kings take place up in the north while Asa is reigning in Judah. So that gives you a little bit of a picture of everything that's going on in The north. Now you'll see down at the bottom I have two yellow bars, thirty-six years and ten years. We're not gonna spend a lot of time on this, but there's one reference in here that talks about in the thirty-sixth year, and there's all kinds of debate as to when that could be. Here is the best solution as to how it fits, those thirty-six years, as well as where do the ten years of rest fit for Asa? For it tells us right here in Second Chronicles, in his days, the land was quiet ten years. How does that fit and how does that work with all the battles that he ends up having? Because I'm going to give you a heads up. Asa does have some major battles. But how does that fit? I believe it fits right there as you see those, those, that number 10 right there in that little piece right there in Asa's reign. So I don't think it was at the beginning. I think it was actually further on into his reign. Now look at verse 2. Verse 2 is very important. It tells us that Asa did that which was good and right in the eyes of the Lord his God. That's good. Two things to know. He did that which was right. That means he did what pleased God. And secondly, it was in the eyes of not just God, but his God, the Lord Jehovah. Asa did that which was right. It tells us over in 1 Kings, as did David, his father. 1 Kings, it also tells us that he reigned 41 years, he in Jerusalem, and his mother's name was Maacah, the daughter of Absalom, which we're going to meet her in a few minutes. Here, can you run this back? Elijah, She's standing back there at the Welcome Center. Bring her her royal crown. Ma'aka. Now, you guys remember who she is, right? Let's look here at Ma'aka, our timeline. Asa's down at the... Or not our timeline, but our family tree. is at the very bottom of this family tree. And you can see here that Ma'aka is not actually his mother, but his grandmother. In Hebrew, when it uses son or daughter, or father, or mother. It doesn't always mean a direct connection. I mean, it's direct, but it can skip generations. It doesn't always have to be subsequent generations. And so, Meaka is actually Asa's grandmother, if we zoom in here, and also the granddaughter of Absalom. So, here we see her. Now, who can tell me something that we know about Meaka? What's something we know about Meaka? Anybody know? You all forgot already? Yes, sir. Um, yes, she would be. She would be in the line of Christ. That's a good, good thought. But there's something else about her. It's bad, not good. Anybody else remember? Oh, we all forgot? Well, let me tell you, everybody in the role here hasn't forgotten who she is, but I'll let you keep thinking about it to see if maybe you can think about who she was and what was wrong with her. Well, Asa becomes king in Israel, and it tells us in verse 3 that he took away the altars of the strange gods. You can just sit down. It says he took away the altars of the strange gods and the high places, And he break down the images and cut down the groves. The groves are the groves of trees where they would set up their idolatrous worship centers. And they tore down all of these strange gods and high places. I shouldn't say all of them because there were still some left. And Asa, he commanded Judah to seek the Lord God of their fathers and to do the law, the law of Moses, the law of God, and his commandment. It tells us not only did he bring about this religious and spiritual changes and reforms in the land, but he also strengthened Judah. For it tells us that he built... um, Well, let me finish verse five here on this part. For he also took away out of the cities of Judah the high places and the images, and the kingdom was quiet before him. And he built fenced cities in Judah, for the land had rest. And he had no war in those years, because the Lord had given him rest. You know, if there's anything that we like to pursue in life, oftentimes it's peace and rest, isn't it? Seems to be awful elusive. Well, it's important for us to remember, just as it was here in this aspect, that it comes from the Lord. The Lord gave him rest. When we're looking for rest, when we're looking for peace, do you know where we need to start? With our relationship with God. If things are wrong and not peaceful in our homes or in our families or in our communities, we need to be seeking and evaluating our relationship with God and finding peace with God first because he's the only one who can really give true peace. God's the one who gives true peace, the one who gives true rest. And so this is the plan. Asa, he says unto Judah,
1: let us build these cities and make about them walls and towers, gates and bars while the land is yet before us. Because we have sought the Lord our God. We have sought him, and he hath given us rest on every side.
0: And so they built and prospered. A long reign of 41 years, they built and prospered. So they strengthened and they fortified the cities. They made strongholds throughout the land. But also, Asa had an army. Here's one of the representatives of his army right here. He, he, he had an army of men that bear targets and spears. Oh. Out of Judah, the tribe of Judah, 300,000. But not just of Judah. Also out of Benjamin that bare shields and drew bows, score thousand. These all were mighty men of valor. He has a vast army. So here he is at peace. He has fortified cities throughout the land. He has fortified an army throughout the land, even in the midst of peace. But you know what happens? An enemy comes north. Now, it's interesting because if we were to look again at our timeline, we've had people come north from southern regions before. Remember back in the days of Solomon? We had the Queen of Sheba come north, admiring the wealth of the kingdom and the great wisdom of Solomon. Well, now we've got another guy coming north. He's an Ethiopian. And he is coming for war. For war. It tells us in verse 9 that there came out against them Zerah. Zerah the Ethiopian with an host of a thousand thousand. Now we don't say numbers like that, do we? What is a thousand thousand? Do the math. Do you know? 10, no, that would be 10,000. What's a thousand thousand? See, we don't go up like that. We go to 100,000 or 900,000 or 999,000. But what's right after 999,000? No, 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 999,000. That would be a thousand thousand. Help them out. What is it? One million. One million. Now imagine that. You're being invaded by an army that is one million strong. Does that sound scary? It does to me. It does to me. And and even though Judah has, what, um, 300,000? And Benjamin has 200, almost 300,000. So let's just round it up and say about 600,000. Let's round it up. Well, that's almost, not quite, but almost twice as many men. A million men versus Asa having only of his strongest 600,000. Well, what's going to happen? This battle plan. Zerah comes north, the Ethiopian, with a host of a thousand thousand. Now, we saw that Judah had the targets and the shields and the spears, and we'll imagine swords, and and they also had bows. You know what this guy has? Chariots. Now, you tell me, who do you think is going to win? The footmen or the chariots? Micaiah, who do you think will win? Do you think the guys in the chariots will win or the guys that are just standing on their two feet? Yeah, the guys in the chariots. The guys in the chariots, and there are 300 of these chariots. They can do a lot of damage really fast. And it says that they came to Marishah and Asa. Went out against him, and they set the battle in array in the valley of Zaphathiah of Merasha. And then look at verse eleven, because here we find out where the real battle takes place. We've learned about the place in the valley. We've learned about the armies, but there's one person that we haven't talked about, and you know who that is:
1: the Lord.
0: Asa knows this. And King Asa, he cried unto the Lord his God and said,
1: Lord, it is nothing with thee to help, whether with many or with them that have no power. Help us, O Lord our God, for we rest on thee, and in thy name we go against this multitude. O Lord, Thou art our God. Let no man prevail against thee.
0: Wow. Asa is recognizing something significant about the kingdom, and that is that he is one of the kings in a theocratic kingdom. That means that God is the real king, and he knows it. And he is calling upon God to do the fighting in this day and to let not this million-strong army with 300 chariots prevail. So in his prayer to the Lord, look at verse 12. It says, So the Lord smote the Ethiopians before Asa and before Judah, and the Ethiopians fled. And you know what? Judah pursued after them. We'll see if he catches up. Well, what happens? If you look here up at the screen, you'll see that there was the battle. The Ethiopians fled, and Judah pursued after them unto Gerar, and the Ethiopians were overthrown that they could not recover themselves, for they were destroyed before the Lord and before his host. And they carried away very much spoil. The spoil is the riches, the wealth of the Ethiopians that the Ethiopians had brought with them. Now the king Asa and Judah carried it away. And it says that they smote all the cities round about Gerar, for the fear of the Lord came upon them, and they spoiled all the cities, for there was exceeding much spoil on them. They smote also the tents of cattle and carried away sheep and camels in abundance. It means a lot. So all the livestock. And they came back to Jerusalem. Now what's fascinating about this is the way that the cities worked and the places. Apparently, these Ethiopians had some kind of a fortress or a base up north from their land much further south. And that was their base and headquarters, and they had rallied their million-strong army there in that region, so in the region of Israel. So it's very likely that they had seen this city growing and growing as a military fortress and a military base, and then they invaded the land, and that's when there was the confrontation there in that valley. But they drove them away and all that they had there in that military fortress and base, they took and they spoiled them greatly. They had great victory over their armies. And they're coming back to Jerusalem now with all this spoil. And you know who meets them? A prophet. A prophet of the Lord meets them. I'm gonna be that prophet. It says that his name was Azariah the son of Oded. And so here we have Israel coming back from this army. And Azariah, the son of Oded, me, I come out to meet Asa. And I say unto him, Hear ye me, Asa, and all Judah and Benjamin. The Lord is with you while ye be with him. And if ye seek him, he will be found of you. But if ye forsake him, he will forsake you. Now for a long season, Israel hath been without the true God and without a teaching priest and without law. But when they, in their trouble, did turn unto the Lord God of Israel and sought him, he was found of them. And in those times, there was no peace to him that went out, nor to him that came in. But great vexations were upon all the inhabitants of the countries. And nation was destroyed of nation and city of city, for God did vex them with all adversity. Be ye therefore strong, and let not your hands be weak, for your work shall be rewarded." Azariah, the prophet, is telling Asa and the land that for a long time there's been no, no one seeking the Lord, no one following God's law, no teaching priest, no priests whose jobs were to teach the law. They hadn't been doing that. This illustrates to us the utter failure of Rehoboam and his son Abijah. They're failures in teaching God's ways. It has become a problem, not just in knowledge, but the temple itself has been run down, or even worse, perhaps even desecrated, defiled with idolatry. We know that happens later. Not sure if it happens now. All we do know is that the temple is in terrible disarray at this time. And God has been vexing Israel and vexing Judah because they have not been serving him. And now Azariah commends him. Seek the Lord. Follow the Lord. Seek after him. And take courage. Now, Asa has already shown incredible wisdom in leading the nation and bringing about about, uh, reforms and tearing down the places of idolatry throughout the land of Judah. But you know what? There are some that still exist. And when Azariah presents this message to Asa, Asa hears. For tells us in first second Chronicles 15:8 that when Asa heard these words, the prophecy of Oded the prophet, he took courage. Now that's exactly what Azariah had told him to do. Azariah had told him to not be weak to be strong, knowing that the Lord would reward him. And so that's exactly what Asa did, is he took courage. Did you guys know that sometimes it takes courage, courage and strength to do what's right? Oftentimes we get into trouble and we fall into sin because we just are too lazy to fight and too selfish to ask God for help. Or really, not just ask. Just let them win because we're too strong. we? We think we're strong enough. We're weak, and we need courage to do what's right. Asa needed courage to do what's right. Now, we sit back and we think, of course, Asa. Asa, he can go out there, and he can knock down those idols and those images and those groves, and he can tear them all up, and he can burn them. That's easy. I'd do that if I were him. I mean, idols, they're silly. Right? Eh, It wasn't quite like that. I mean, how many idols do you have in your home? Have you ever inventory the idols you have in your home? You ever thought about it? Or the idols that you have in your heart? Those things that you put before and ahead of God that are more important to you than your relationship with God? Think about it are all kinds of idols that we have in our hearts and actually in our homes. We actually still take things and make them idols. We take activities and make them idols. Perhaps one of the greatest idol of the modern era is the television. Enormous amounts of time are wasted on it. And in fact, even some of the customs and practices of ancient idolatry are played out before people on their television screens or computer screens or phone screens. I mean, let's put, lump it all in together. Is the phone? Is the TV? Is what? Are they, are they idols in your lives? Think about it as dads, moms, trying to control or to remove idols in your home. You know, it's not easy to just say, hey, we're shutting this off. We're done with this. This is in our home. This is in our practices. This is in our habits. We're done with this. We're turning this off. You know what kind of courage that takes? Also wisdom in doing it in a way that is pleasing to God and not just flippant where you give up three weeks later and just, oh, whatever. Oh, we need strength. We need courage to do what's right. And that's just one example. That's just one example. And and. Really, I'm reluctant to give any more examples because you might say, well, that's not my problem. Maybe the TV and the phones and so forth isn't a problem in your home. Don't just say, oh, see, yeah, all those people that have those phone addictions, wow, they got idols. Well, what are your idols? What do you have in your heart? What is it? Is it an activity? Is it a thing? What is it that is before God? that needs to be removed. Or you need to show leadership and helping in your family and your home to do it. Asa here is a king and he's doing it in a nation. A uniqueness because he is a king of a theocratic kingdom where God is king. Which is different, by the way, than the United States. What he's about to do in this courage, he does as a theocratic king. And there's a distinction there. He is a legitimate regal, royal, representative king in the land of Israel, appointed by God. And so the actions that he takes are unique to him. This is the biggest reason. Later on, Pastor Virgil is going to be teaching on dispensations. And a lot of us just flippantly take dispensations. And some of you have grown up and you've heard it and you maybe are thinking, oh, here goes Pastor Virgil again on this. Here's a reason why it's so important is that there's a distinction between Israel and what's going on there and what's going on today. Do you know that pastors and presidents and rulers today aren't supposed to do what Asa is about to do? Now, we can bring certain kinds of leadership and spiritual leadership, but he brings with it execution. He makes a proclamation that all those who will not serve the Lord shall be put to death. Now, that's actually following a command that was in Israel's constitution, Israel's laws, the law of Moses. We today are not under that. That was for the theocracy of Israel and unique to that time period. This is why we have to understand how our Bible is and what dispensations or the stewardships, how God dealt with people in different times in history and is today. See, the church has no penal power. We don't walk around and take a sword and put it up to somebody and say, now you be a Christian. You gonna be a Christian or not? No! And we don't do that with threatening words or any other kinds of way. Or if, or if somebody leaves, we don't just go kill them. No, that's not the way it works
1: at all.
0: That's something different. See, you might say, well, wait a minute. You mean in that kingdom you had to be a believer? No. You still had the choice in your heart as to whether or not to be a believer. People in all history have only been saved by believing what God has revealed. the only way anybody has ever been saved in all of history and forever in history is by believing what God has revealed. That's the only way you're saved is by faith, by believing. But in the kingdom of Israel, you could believe, which would result in outward life of godliness and righteousness. But even if you didn't believe in your heart, you had better live a righteous life on the outside, at least in a certain part of his reign. Because if you didn't, you were in serious world of trouble. So I'm appealing to you to take courage to get rid of the idols. You know, you have control over yourself and in a limited degree in your homes, not with any power of execution at all. Not at all. There's some cultures and religions where that's the case, and that's not the case. That's not what I'm talking about. Do we show leadership beginning as dads and parents and individuals in our home, and then do we lead our family in it as well. King Asa, you know, he actually had a hard time in his home too. Well, let's keep reading here and just read the account of what took place here. For it tells us that he took courage and he put away the abominable idols out of the land of Judah and Benjamin and out of the cities which he had taken from Mount Ephraim and renewed the altar of the Lord that was before the porch of the Lord. And he gathered all Judah and Benjamin and the strangers with them out of Ephraim and Manasseh and out of Simeon. For they fell to him out of Israel in abundance when they saw that the Lord his God was with him. So they gathered themselves together at Jerusalem in the third month, in the 15th year of the reign of Asa. Here we see that right here. They gathered together in the third month, in the 15th year. And they offered unto the Lord the same time of the spoil which they had brought, 700 oxen, 7,000 sheep. And they entered into a covenant to seek the Lord God of their fathers with all their heart and with all their soul, that whosoever would not seek the Lord God of Israel should be put to death, whether small or great, whether man or woman. Listen to the covenant that they entered into.
1: We enter into a covenant to seek the Lord our God of our fathers with all of our hearts and with all of our soul, that whosoever will not seek the Lord God of Israel should be put to death, whether small or great, whether man or woman.
0: And you know what? Israel agreed. For it tells us, in verse 14, that they swear unto the Lord with a loud voice and with shouting and with trumpets and with cornets. They began to agree. There was a shout of agreement with this covenant being made that day. And it tells us that all Judah rejoiced at the oath, for they had sworn with all their heart, and sought him with their whole desire, and he was found of them, and the Lord gave them rest round about. Turn with me over to First Kings chapter 15 and verse 12, where more detail is given in this situation, for it tells us there that he took away the Sodomites out of the land and removed all the idols that his fathers had made. And there's somebody else. That's a problem in this kingdom. Remember, we met her at the very beginning. The queen mother, Asa's grandmother. Here she is. Now, did you think and remember what we know about her? Did you yet? What do we know about her? She was an idolater. She worshiped idols and false gods. So you know what Asa does? He removes her from being the queen. I don't know if he was so kind in taking it off. He removed her from being the queen. Now, I don't know what happened with her. I don't know if this action caused her to repent, to get right with God. I don't know if he showed her mercy. In the law of Moses, it speaks of those who go after other gods or even whisper to you, let's go serve other gods. You're to be the first to speak against them and bringing them to death. I hope That she repented. Don't know. But it tells us that he removed her from being queen. Now, there's some people who say that not just taking her crown, that he killed her. Again, if he did, it's not something that's true in this day and age that was specifically unique in a theocracy. It's sad. She was removed from being queen because she had made an idol in a grove. And Asa destroyed her idol and burnt it by the brook Kidron. But the high places were not removed. He didn't do it all. Nevertheless, Asa's heart was perfect with the Lord all his days. He was sincere. He was real. He sought to do right. Or did he? Let's keep reading. This is a statement that is a summary, high-level summary of who he was. Because you know what? Even the best of men who truly believe in their heart the word of God fail. And so let's keep reading. For there was no more war until the five and thirtieth year of the reign of Asa. I believe this is the reign, meaning the dynasty or the kingdom of Israel. He has restored the altar of Jerusalem. He has torn down the grove in the high place of his grandmother. And now there's a problem. It comes from this guy over here. You ready. This guy here gets a brilliant idea. Remember there we read about people going down to Judah, going down to Judah, going down to Judah, going down to Judah, Because there they were seeking the Lord. There there was peace. You don't like that. So you come up with a brilliant idea. Oh, he thinks it's brilliant. You know what he's going to do? He's going to build the Great Wall of China. Now, not the real wall of China, but he's going to build something like it. He's going to fortify Ramah, and he's going to keep people from going down into Judah by stopping them by force, like building a city, building a fortress, building an army and a wall. He's going to build a Berlin Wall. Keep everybody in. Let nobody escape down over there. Now, it's not the Berlin Wall, but the philosophy and the idea is the same as what was going on with the Berlin Wall. That's what he was going to do. How many of you, by the way, know what the Berlin Wall is? Okay, very good. We need to keep teaching our children what the Berlin Wall is because that's a very important piece of history. Um, And so here he is going to keep people from going down to Judah. So he builds and fortifies this city. Well, Asa gets worried. Asa gets scared. Asa's terrified of all of this. For it tells us that he went up against Judah and he built Ramah. And there's war between these guys all the time. It tells us that later on. And it is that he might not suffer any to go out or to come in to Asa, king of Judah. And so you know what Asa does now? Remember, he just now had this huge battle with the Ethiopian and and he prayed a prayer and won the battle. He went to God and he won the battle. So now what does he do? Well, hey, Nathan, you want to be king? You become king. You're another king. We're going to meet another guy. We've got King Ben-Hadad. Yes, King Ben-Hadad. You're the king of Syria. So you're up north. And you know what? You have a league right now with Baasha. So that means that you're on his side, this guy's side. You're on his side, all right? Their friends, Ben-Hadad, king of Syria, and Baasha, king of Israel. Well, so now, you've got a problem. He's building a Berlin Wall. He's building this problem, all right? He's stopping your people from moving. He's stopping movement, messing up everything. I don't know why you forgot about the Lord, but you come up with an idea. You know what his idea is? I'm going to take all the riches I've got, and I'm going to send a message over to Ben-Hadad. So he sends messengers with riches, not just one little chest. Up north, around Israel, Ben Dad. Gives the treasure to B'nai Dad. And listen to what the message is. There is a league
1: between me and thee, and between my father and thy father. Behold, I have sent unto thee a present of silver and gold. Come and break thy leave with Baasha, king of Israel, that he may depart from me.
0: So he's saying, you're friends with me. You were friends with my father. You're also friends with him. I'm going to pay you to no longer be friends with him. I'm going to pay you to go attack his cities. That's exactly what happens. And so Israel's coming down, rebuilding Ramah, and now Ben-Hadad, he comes and he hearkens, that means he hears and he does something about it, to King Asa, and he sent the captains of the hosts which he had in the cities of Israel, and he spoke Ijon I, John, and Dad, and Abel, Beth, Mayakha. That's, by the way, the city where Meaka was originally from up there, and of all Chennereth and all the land of Naphtali. And it came to pass when Baasha heard it that he left off building Ramah and he went back to Tirzah, the capital. Done with that. He's got to stop this. This is just a mess. So you've hired a foreign king to come in and help you. And it worked, right? Well, so he thought. It tells us that Asa, he made a proclamation throughout all Judah, that none was exempted, but that they do something.
1: Take away the stones from Ramah and the timber thereof, wherewith Baasha has built
0: And so that's exactly what they do. They take that city there that Baasha was building, Ramah. They knock down all the, all the walls of it, and they go and they build the two square, blue squares, Gibeah, and Mizpah. And now look at that time. Someone comes with a message. Thank you, ben Thank you, Baasha. There's another man coming. Here he is. Hanani the seer. A seer is a prophet. Hanani the seer came to Asa. Now remember, the last battle against the Ethiopian, a prophet came and said, Do right. Take courage. Seek the Lord. Did Asa seek the Lord in this matter? Well, if it weren't for what is about to happen, we might say maybe. We don't know. But we know he didn't. And that's why the reason that the Lord is sending Hanani the seer. And so Hanani the seer, he comes to Asa, king of Judah, and he says unto him,
1: Because thou hast relied on the king of Syria and not relied on the Lord thy God, Therefore is the host of the king of Syria escaped out of thine hand. Were not the Ethiopians and the Lubims a huge host, with very much chariots and horsemen? Yet because thou didst rely on the Lord, he delivered, thee, until I delivered them into thine hand. For the eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth to show himself strong in the behalf of them whose heart is perfect toward him. Herein thou hast done foolishly. Therefore, from henceforth, thou shalt have wars. Stop! Arrest that man and put him in prison!
0: It tells us that King Asa was wroth with his prophet of the Lord, who was telling him the truth. So they took him, and they took him. To prison. Walk it up. Tells us that he put him in the prison house for he was in a rage because of this thing. But you know what? He wasn't done with that. At that point, he began to oppress some of the people beyond that. We're out of time. We're beyond time. Seek the Lord. And when the Lord convicts you or tells you something in his word that you don't like, seek the Lord. Seek him, no matter. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for this account of Ace's life. Help us to learn from it. And may we seek you with all of our hearts and take courage and be strong in you. In Christ's name, amen.